That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of The Great America Show. Today, January 6th. And while we could take up any number of aspects of what happened one year ago on January 6th, in the nation's capital, we choose to take up the stories of the American citizens who've been held in prison in the nation's capital, some of them not held on charges until very late, held there on charges related to their alleged actions on January 6, 2021. 600 people charged for their alleged conduct that day on Capitol Hill, and a year later, 40 as many perhaps as 50 Americans remain in custody. We'll be talking with one of the attorneys today representing some of those protesters. His name is Joe McBride, and in my opinion, he's to be applauded for his courage and his professional commitment to the spirit of this great country and this great constitution of ours. He's fighting for truth, justice, and the American way, representing people who I call political prisoners persecuted by the Marxist left, a political party that has been intent on carrying out the politics of personal destruction that has been their hallmark for years now. And now it's my pleasure to uh, introduce you to Joe McBride. Uh, Joe is, in my opinion, a, a great patriot, a great American, uh, doing precisely what our founders expected of uh, attorneys, defending those uh, in need uh, irrespective of the cause, irrespective of the politics. And Joe, I just got to tell you what a, what a pleasure it is to have you on the show uh, defending uh, your clients who on January 6th, some of whom made mistakes, some of whom are innocent of the charges, uh, but the effect has been the same. Uh, they have been uh, deeply and profoundly wounded uh, by a government that in some cases, uh, if, if not all, uh, simply raged against these defendants, uh, some with charges that are rational and reasonable, uh, but most, I would say at this point, uh, absolutely shocking what we have seen uh, and witnessed. So welcome to the broadcast, and we're eager to hear your story and that of your clients uh, in a situation that this country has, uh, has seldom, if ever, faced. Uh, Joe, welcome to The Great America Show. Thank you so much, Lou. It is, uh, it is good to be here from uh, one patriot uh, to another. I, I thank you so much for being on the right side of history for such a long time, and it is truly an honor to be here with you today. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, that, that's very kind. And uh, I, I want to turn first to the news that uh, you have filed a lawsuit in behalf of one of your clients, uh, Victoria White. Uh, tell us about that suit and uh, what you are expecting. So Victoria White is somebody who showed up to the Capitol on January 6th to peacefully protest. She was peaceful the entire time. There is actually a point in time that's captured on video 
where there are some people who are trying to break out a, a window out of the Capitol building itself. And on two separate occasions, she tells them to stop, even jumping up there to pull one guy down and saying, hey, listen, we don't do this. That's what the other side does. That's not what we do. Um, at some point, she went close to the entrance to the uh, to the tunnel in the, in the building, which is the lower Western tunnel entrance to the Capitol. She didn't right. know that it actually led into the building. She thought that it went up to another level. She had never been there before. Um, the crowd was pushing up against the wall um, because she's a woman. She got pushed in very easily. And um, after being in there for about a minute, you have the highest ranking officer um, in the area. He's in a crowd of about, of about 40 officers. They're all wearing black shirts. He's a white shirt. So he's clearly the highest ranking guy there. He uh, singles her out. She's wearing a red MAGA hat. He singles her out and he just starts to beat her. He hits her um, unprovoked 35 times in the head with a metal collapsible asp. And then oh, at no. one point he punches her in the face five times like a guy in a bar fight. Um, and then she was arrested and she, she was let go that day, but subsequently uh, arrested, indicted and is now facing criminal charges as well. It's it's unconscionable what happened to her. Uh, so we're defending her in her criminal case, which we believe that we will beat. And we are suing on her behalf because of the atrocious uh, brutality that took place that day. And we believe that we will be successful in both matters. And there there is a video, which is uh, you were talking about the tunnel to see this woman up against the, that uh, crowd of uh, black shirted police uh, is stunning because it's a wave uh, of uh, a mass, if you will, of humanity pushing against her. Uh, she is caught right at the uh, at the penumbra between black and white shirts. Uh, it's it's stunning video. Yes, it, it, it truly is. And you know, unfortunately, it's not just uh, the, the, the leading officer there, the, the lieutenant with the white shirt. There are multiple other officers who are around him who at different times join in beating. One officer pulls her hair several times. Another one pushes her around. Another one who's standing on the ledge maces her twice. And then there's another officer who hits her 12 times over the head independently with his own baton simply because he could. She was trapped. She had nowhere to go. It looks like a goldfish in a, in, a, in a fish tank with a bunch of piranhas feeding on her. It's vicious. It's evil. It's un-American. It should have never happened. Uh, I can't, under any reasonable analysis, moral analysis, figure out why anybody would ever want to do that to her. But it happened, and, and we're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we get her taken care of. And there's video of, uh, what, nearly all of this? Yes, the entire beating um, is taken uh, is on video. Um, the video had previously been subject to a protective order, meaning that the government did not want it to be released. That video right. and other videos, uh, we we uh, asked the court to uh, to have that video uh, unmasked to the public in, in one of my other cases, in Ryan Nichols' case, because it was relevant to his defense as well. Uh, they unmasked it, uh, not paying attention to my allegations, I guess, maybe thinking that I was overselling this or, or being dishonest. I don't know. But they unmasked it. And, and guess what? Now the whole world can see 
uh, the level of animus that those police had towards some of those protesters right. on that day. It, it was vicious. No two ways about it. Well, it, it, it's it's inexcusable on any level. And these were Capitol Hill. These were Capitol Police, correct? Uh, so actually, in, in, in that situation, it was the Metropolitan Police Department Metropolitan. of the District of Columbia. Yeah. So you had Capitol Police and, and, and D.C. Police stationed at different places uh, during different times. And I, I think that's a that's a good question because Capitol Police are used to having sort of visitors. They kind of, you know, they're used to dealing with people coming to the Capitol all the time. Right. DC police are sort of more on the street and, you know, in more dangerous situations all, all, all the time. Uh, I'm wondering and I suspect that, you know, the DC police had a different mindset that day. They certainly did in that in, in that instance. And, uh, you know, they weren't treated as visitors, as protesters. I can tell you that much. And the, the last thing I'll add about Victoria is she is also a, uh, a, a survivor of, of domestic violence. She was in a 10-year relationship where she was uh, brutally uh, abused. Um, I have the documentation, police reports, pictures of her where she was beaten bloody by her ex. And, uh, you know, there was, there was years of, of, of healing, of medicine, of spiritual and, and, and physical healing uh, that, that took place. Uh, be, between uh, 2016, when she first started to heal up to 2020. So into the holiday season of 2020, she was feeling good about her life, you know, true healing sort of on the horizon. She sees what happens at the at the election. She says, look, I object. I'm going to go down and I'm going to participate at the protest out of a civic duty. Nothing could have prepared her for the beating that she took that day. And uh, that beating opened up a lot of, uh, you know, psychological, emotional and physical wounds that, you know, she'll never be uh, the same again after that day. That, that That's a fact. Uh, it, it's a tragedy. And, it, and I have to tell you, it's good that uh, somebody in this case, you, uh, is at the forefront of uh, trying to bring justice uh, and respect for this woman and her rights, who obviously, obviously, uh, was a victim on that day when she was simply trying to exercise her First Amendment rights. I, I, I want to talk about your other clients in this because a lot of a lot of the protesters and demonstrators that day who ended up being charged have said that you know it, they made it very clear it was difficult to find an attorney to represent them because the attorneys are scared to death of the repercussions from the establishment if they're representing uh, populist uh, MAGA supporters. Uh, tell me about your thinking on this and uh, your judgment on the representation that these, what, 600 people who were arrested that day uh, are receiving. Sure, that, that's, that's a great question. It's a very important issue. Um, most of uh, my clients uh, before the 6th and certainly um, after uh, come to me after they've had representation of one kind or another. And they say, hey, look, this guy, this gal isn't really going the bat for me. And, you know, you look like somebody who, who, who will, you know, go all in for me, so to speak. And, you know, that, that, that type of all in representation is very necessary in, in, in these cases. There are a, a lot of people who did not, who, attorneys, who either, number one, as members of the private bar, did not count the cost to their uh, public reputation, uh, family members disowning them, cancellation and uh, online, so on and so forth, all the things that are associated 
with you know uh with sticking up for for somebody who's uh really who's a who's a trump supporter in, in this day and age there are also public defenders who were assigned these cases um unfortunately uh the public defender bar is is far out to the left i'm a, I'm a former public defender so i i want to demonize everybody but there are there is a cohort of of public defenders who are um, defending january sixers who cannot get past their politics. They hate their clients because they are uh, right-leaning Republicans, libertarians, independents, America first people, populists, however you want to name it. They love God, they love country, they love capitalism, they love freedom. And these people who are representing them uh, do not like the, any of those things and have this deep sense of, 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 it feels like hatred toward their clients. To put some things in context, I'll give you a few examples. A lawyer shows up to an attorney-client meeting in the jail wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt or wearing an I voted for uh, for Joe shirt or I love Kamala Harris shirt. Uh, they try to say, hey, you shouldn't fight your case. What you should do is accept this course on critical race theory and let me reprogram your mind and show this to the judge to say, hey, look, this person renounces their form of political beliefs. This person renounces Donald Trump. This person has now been brainwashed to become one of us. And because of that, you should be lenient on him or her. Um, those are the kind of calls I get all the time. Family members, husbands, sons, daughters, grandparents, clients themselves calling out and saying, hey, this is not American. This is wrong. This feels like I'm living under Nazi Germany or, or Stalinist Russia. Can you please help me? So I have built a team around myself and a network of attorneys who were constantly referring people out to. We vetted them. Uh, I believe that, you know, they are, you know, America first attorneys, people who, who will put their politics aside or people who generally share the same political views to represent these people going forward. It has been a hard and difficult process, but we're now finally making some traction and getting people into the right places. But there are still people out there who need adequate representation and do not have it. 600 people arrested, uh, I understand what something on the order of 40 people remain uh, incarcerated in, uh, in jail in Washington, DC, is that right? So yeah, I think the number right now is, is somewhere between 40 and 50 just in DC, but then you have a bunch of other facilities that are out throughout the country, Northern Neck, Virginia, places in Texas, here and there, where there are people being held as well. So there's probably another 40 or 50 being held at various locations throughout the country. I got, I don't know, 10, 20 calls just this morning from people saying that the FBI showed up at their house yesterday and or today. That number is uh, certainly going to go up. Just to, just this morning? Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh my gosh. So there's still there's still a, 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 an investigation and persecution of these people going on a year out from January 6th. Oh, without question. I mean, Merrick Garland got up there yesterday and said, we'll leave no stone unturned. And the secret police went out this morning and let people know that we are here and we are hunting and we are watching. And, uh, you know, we will be uh, charging you shortly. It's a, so, it's a it's a scary time. You know, there are a lot of people, including myself, who think you know, this has got to be some sort of ugly joke. The attorney general of the United States, Merrick Garland, this week saying he has, quote, no higher priority 
This is a man in charge of national security and law enforcement in this country saying that there's no higher priority than prosecuting January 6th rioters. What in the world is, is he thinking? What in the world is going on? Well, I mean, Lou, I'll tell you, this is the first time in American history, the absolute first time in American history that the political party who is in power is actively hunting down members of the opposition party for political dissidents. We all saw what happened on the past two, during the past two years, the, the, the Black Lives Matter protests, the Antifa occupations of, of, of Portland and Seattle, so on and so forth, the burning of cities, the looting of buildings, all in the name of social justice, all in the name of change. And all those people were given a pass because their actions were supposedly grounded in the First Amendment. Yet, peaceful protesters show up to the Capitol on the 6th. They go from one protest at the Ellipse, which was President Trump's rally, and they walk over to the Capitol, and that protest was hijacked over there. Things get out of control, but you can't even compare it to some of those scenes that you saw in Minneapolis where they burned down entire cities, yet all these people are being brought into this massive dragnet simply because they had the courage to say, I object to Joe Biden being certified as the president of the United States. And I will add, with regard to Merrick Garland, uh, I'm sure you remember that the Capitol was bombed previously, like in 1983. And right. during that during that time, it was bombed by radical uh, members of the M19 feminist group, Marxist trained rebels that were trained in Cuba and that were trained in Venezuela. Um, Susan Rosenberg is one of them. Elizabeth Ann Duke is the other one. Let me give you just a, a real brief but very important history on why this matters now. Elizabeth Ann Duke bombed the Capitol. She was granted bail. She wasn't held pretrial. She jumped bail to never return again. If you Google FBI's most wanted domestic terrorist right now, there you will find Elizabeth Ann Duke's face right there on the list. Despite this reality, during the uh, administration of Barack Obama, Eric Holder dismissed her indictment and quashed her arrest warrant. He, he petitioned to have that done and the, and the court the court dismissed it. The conservatives who were in uh, Washington at the time said, hey, what the hell is going on? We remember this person bombed the Capitol. She's on the lam. Why are you cutting her loose? Like, what is happening here? We demand an investigation. An investigation happened, and the chief judge quashed it and said, hey, rubber stamped it. Said, hey, no problem here. Sealed the proceedings. Nobody ever got to find out why it happened or what was said in court. And that was the end of it. She got a pass. That chief judge, none other than Merrick Garland. So he gives a leftist radical terrorist who bombed the Capitol in 1983 a pass. But if you showed up there on January 6, 2021, you're looking at years and years in jail. And with regard to Susan Rosenberg, she is also a co-conspirator. She was caught. She participated in the, in the famous Brinks robbery in, in, in Westchester right. back in the 80s. When she was caught after the Capitol bombing in 1983, she had like five or 600 pounds of explosives on her, hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, automatic weapons. She gets sentenced to 56 years of incarceration. On his last day in office, President Bill Clinton commuted her sentence. She goes on to leave and becomes the number one fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. How does that happen? Well, I'm afraid with <laughs> If one were to attempt to explain any part of that, uh, it's stunning, particularly when you think 
uh, Merrick Garland is now the Attorney uh, General of the United States and was going to be was going to be a sitting justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. It is. It's a remarkable and incredible story. And against the subtext of the politics of uh, personal destruction, which by 1992, with the election of Bill Clinton, uh, was in high, high and extreme levels uh, within the Democratic Party. And now here we are 30 years later, uh, and Merrick Garland can't find anything to put on his priority list other than uh, those who were on Capitol Hill and had uh, the misfortune to be in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong things. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. It is very tough. So let me ask you, you ha you've got six clients and how, uh, give us your sense of what will happen. Uh, what is the likelihood of prevailing in this, uh, this uh, atmosphere in which that entire, the entire nation's capital is controlled by the left. Right. So um, I represent Richard Barnett. He's the guy who famously had his feet up on a desk in Nancy Pelosi's office. Right. right. He was incarcerated. He was beaten and kept in solitary confinement. I was able to get him out. 60 years old at the time. He's 61 now. No prior context with the criminal justice system. They wanted to hold him. They want over a decade in jail for putting his feet up on the desk. It's ridiculous. I represent Ryan Nichols. Um, he's got no criminal record, um, specializes in search and rescue, goes out 75 days a year rescuing people from uh, tornadoes and floods and hurricanes, was even recognized by Ella DeGeneres on her show for it. Um, they want uh, more than a decade in his case. Christopher Quaglin, shirt off your back, sort of salt of the earth, American citizen, went down there that day, wasn't perfect, got in the shoving match, some other things happened. Otherwise, no prior context with the criminal justice system. They want 15 years in his case. Um, then you have uh, uh, Daniel Goodwin, and no prior context with the criminal justice system, no record. He walked into the Senate entrance door, uh, the, 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 the wing door in the Capitol, walked into an open door with the officer right there, said, hey, my name is Daniel Goodwin to a, to a famous uh, guy named Baked Alaska. Please stop doxing me. Uh, have a nice day. Walked out. They want years uh, uh, on a felony conviction in his case. It's a, it's a witch hunt. It's wrong. So with regard to, to prevailing, look, I have to have some hope in the, in the juries. I have to have some hope in, in people um, and, and in Providence that if we get up there and if we do a good job, that justice will prevail. Um, absent that, you know, the, the, the forecast is, 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 is not great. But when you look at these facts, if you look at these cases, each one of these people have been overcharged, no matter what they did that day. They all have been overcharged. So I do feel very confident that with, re with regard to the most serious charges, that we will be able to beat those charges. And most of these guys will go home um, having time served on, on, on misdemeanors in, in these cases, if not beating all of the cases hands down. Now, I do want to say this. There was a lot of controversy that day. There seems to be um, significant support for the people who have went there that day and who were not violent. Look, you went to the Capitol that day, you weren't violent at all, you're being charged. People support those people, 100%. They have support from anybody who's reasonably minded. But I do wanna say something about the people who have been charged with acts of violence. Now, we all saw what happened in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Kyle yep. Rittenhouse was violent. 
And he got off because his violence was justified. He was attacked and the justification defense of self-defense enables him to use force that is proportional to the threat that he was enduring. Now, at the Capitol on January 6th, there's a lot of good guys who went there that day and they saw senior citizens and women like Victoria White getting beaten, maced, pushed, kicked, stomped. I mean, Ashley Babbitt got assassinated on, 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 by Capitol Police on TV. Roseanne Boylan steps away from where Victoria White and Ryan, Ryan Nichols was in the tunnel. She got trampled and beaten to death by, by the police. Lots of things happened that day. So there are times where good men stepped in and they pushed the cop or they punched the cop because the cops were literally killing people or they were beating people to the point where it looked like they were going to die. It's muddy. It's not perfect. But just because somebody was violent that day or has been charged with violence, it doesn't mean that their violence was actually criminal. And I think that's a very important nuance for people to need to appreciate in, uh, in order to understand the context of these cases fully. I think that's a very important point, and it's one that is seldom seldom raised uh, in the context of January 6th. Uh, but uh, there is also just simply our each of us, our personal reaction to this. It's almost impossible to think this is the United States government that this is the Capitol Police. This is the, the Metropolitan Police behaving in this fashion uh is there is there evidence in your judgment of a setup was there we know that the fbi had people there in various uh, capacities but was there a, a an effort to incite these people who were uh, up until they entered the capital peaceful protesters so the fbi and it's Cointel program, Cointel, and, and a few other programs going going way back, has a history of infiltrating political movements in this country. Um, they infiltrated the, uh, the Black Panthers in the 60s. They infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. Let's use the Panthers and, and, the, and the Klan as an example. You know, you go, oh, my God, the Black Panthers and the Ku Klux Klan. Like, who really cares if the FBI infiltrates them in violation of their constitutional rights? It's better to get those guys off the street. That was a mistake by the American public because the Black Panthers and the Ku Klux Klan, while very radical groups and problematic for a host of different reasons, because they are still American citizens, still entitled to the constitutional protections. Now, if you expound that to today, and there, there's a whole litany of, of, of illegal infiltrations of, of, of political movements from that time all the way up until today. So the question is, did the FBI infiltrate various groups that day and have foreknowledge of those events? Unequivocally, yes. Did the FBI show up that day and other government agencies show up that day with foreknowledge that things were going to happen on the ground that day? Unequivocally, yes. Was the Capitol prepared properly to defend against or to be or, or to to be able to host uh, that amount of people? Unequivocally, no. As to the question, were, were there agent provocateurs on the ground? Were there government uh, uh, sort of infiltrators in groups who were civilians? Who, who, who the government's holding something over their head? So the government, you know, so they infiltrated or, or they agitated that day. We are investigating that. We have substantial evidence indicating that the answer is yes. Look no further than the example 
of of Ray Epps. Ray Epps is seen on uh, on camera on January 5th saying tomorrow we're going to go into the Capitol. People are literally calling him an agent the night before. The day of the Capitol, he's funneling people down into different groups. He's participating and taking down uh, signs and he's, he's assigning people to go, go take down barricades, infiltrate this, go in that direction. He's directing people all over the place. Ray is one of many people that we suspect are somehow connected to the government. Now, as a lawyer, uh, it's very important that I don't make uh, misrepresent misrepresentations of fact um, in court or, or on the air on your show. But this is an investigation that is ongoing and we do have a good faith basis to say that we do in fact believe that there were agitators on the ground who are connected to the government in one way or another. Does it in your judgment rise to the level of entrapment that is uh, motivating, trying to motivate people to do uh, something that without the presence of that government uh, uh, agent provocateur or, or uh, informant, whatever role they might have had, without their presence, without their exhortation, uh, the, uh, the citizens would not have done what they did. Right. So that's, that's a good question. Let me use the example of, of, of a civil client who I represent. Um, I represent uh, Ali Alexander. He is somebody who participated in many Stop the Steal. Um, he Stop the Steal Inc. Um, is is his uh, his corporation. He had fifty, uh, approximately fifty or so Stop the Steal protests across the country um, during the uh, the twenty twenty uh, election season. Every one of them were peaceful. The, the protest at the Ellipse on January 6th, that was a peaceful protest as well. Somehow the second protest or the, or the, or the multiple protests that were supposed to happen at the Capitol, those were not peaceful. This is an Antifa or Black Lives Matter whose protests are always out of control and who are always violent. This is the Stop the Steal Coalition, um, the America First Coalition, the Save America Coalition, and their, peaceful, and their protests are always peaceful. So right off the bat, you have a question about what happened, what went wrong, something changed here. And then when you have people who are removing signage, who are removing barricades, so as to push people all the way up to the walls of the Capitol, and then you have an undermanned and an understaffed Capitol police force who are in a position where they have to outnumber, they have to push back. And then in between that, at the relevant points of entry and at the most critical junctures during that day, you have multiple people who are inciting violence in between the crowd and the police. Many of those people were identified last year, very early on in this process. Many of those people still have not been charged. So how is it that grandma and grandpa from Idaho and Johnny from California and Ricky from Florida and, and Misty from New York City are all charged, but these people who are front and center inciting violence are somehow not charged. So absent these people inciting violence, does a conflict happen at the walls of the Capitol, at the east and west entrances? I submit to you that it would not. And there's 50 prior protests that would indicate that these protests are always peaceful. So absent their participation, the answer is no, this would have been a peaceful protest. Because of their participation, it was not. Is that grounds for entrapment? Yes, it is. Counselor, I have to say, 
it is it's appalling. Uh, I, I think, like every uh, every citizen listening to you, uh, we're disgusted. This is inexcusable. What uh, what happened, uh, and the and the way in which the government uh, under the the presidency of Joe Biden is pursued it under the Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland's uh, statement that there's no higher priority. And today, on January 6th, the Vice President Kamala Harris saying that January 6th is she found some equivalency with Pearl Harbor, for God's sake, Joe. Pearl Harbor. This is President Biden talking about uh, somehow keeping Donald Trump from ever running for, for office again uh, because of his role. These are not only inexcusable, hyperbolic, uh, disgusting comments coming from the two top officers of our, of our constitutional republic, but they are downright Stalinist, they are Marxist, uh, and they are destructive of every value uh, that our founding fathers established. Uh, your reaction? I want to read you something right here from the Holocaust Encyclopedia. And I want you to let me know if this sounds familiar to you. This is about the burning of the Reichstag that took place on, on February 27, 1933. And the Reichstag is the German parliament. That building was burned down. The Nazi leadership and its coalition partners used the fire to claim that the communists were planning a violent uprising. They claimed that emergency legislation was needed to prevent this. The resulting act, commonly known as the Reichstag Fire Decree, abolished a number of constitutional protections and paved the way for the Nazi dictatorship. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds, uh, it, it's, you know, it is just incredible how we do not learn from history. Uh, and we have, ex and how we somehow, continue after all of these years of being served obvious notice every day, whether it's on our on the websites, uh, the newspapers, the television networks of the corporate media oligarchs in this country, uh, that somehow this is still uh, an independent press in this country, that it is not working for one party or the other, that it is not representing the moneyed interest, that it is not representing the financial and political interests of the oligarchs who control them. And I am talking about uh, Morton Zuckerman. I'm talking about Larry Page. I, I, I'm talking about Jeff Bezos. I am talking about Disney. I'm talking about Comcast. I am talking about CBS, Viacom. I, and it goes on and on and on. Six people, six entities control 90% of the national political media. That's insane. And Joe, people still don't get it. They still don't get it. The, the audience listening to this podcast get it uh, and others. But we are, we are caught in something that is so reminiscent of what Lenin and Stalin did, uh, of what uh, dictators across the world have done. Uh, we don't even have to bring it up to to date with what Xi Jinping is doing in the in, in communist China. We accept communist China, our leaders do, is a competitor uh, and an occasional cooperator. 
we look at Russia and Putin, and he is somehow a greater enemy and a foul force, while the obvious, the obvious same dictator and authoritarian, totalitarian impulses that drive Russia drive China. At times, I think the, the entire national media has gone mad. Um, they, they have gone mad and they are not loyal to the United States. They are loyal to some type of cohort of the international community. The, the United States uh, is the, the populace in the United States has for a long time been asleep at the wheel. Um, you look around and you go to a party and you go to a gathering before, you know, while those were still allowed and you see people on their phone. You see people distracted. People are disconnected from each other. They live in these little, you know, isolation bubbles even before COVID happened. And they don't want to be bothered. They're in their phone. They're in their mind. They have their little groups of people. And they don't want to know about the truth. They don't want to know about what's really going on in the world. They're not concerned with it. They're only concerned with their next meal, their next like on social media, where they're going out that night so on and so forth. But while that is happening, America's enemies are gathering against us and they're gathering in the financial sector, they're gathering in the military sector, they're gathering in the political arena, and they do not want to see America um, leading the world anymore. And I do fear that if people don't wake up and wake up now, that we may not be able to sustain this. When you look at the Constitution, an inspired document written by men with great foresight during times like these, four times like these, these men and the women behind them had just left this what, what is essentially a totalitarian, totalitarian regime where they were subjects to the king and they wanted nothing more to do with that. So they fought for our independence. They forged forth and they created a new country, a democratic republic founded upon Christian principles. And they enshrined, just like the Old Testament has the Ten Commandments, we have the Bill of Rights, the first Ten Amendments to the Constitution. And there, the, the regime who's in power now is going after your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, your Third, your Fourth, your Fifth, all the way down the line in order to take those rights from us. Because the minute we give those up, it is over. So America uh, needs to wake up. America really needs to know what is going on right now. These uh, January 6th cases, uh, this is a watershed moment. This is a crossroads for our country. You don't have to approve of what anybody did that day, but you must disapprove of the jailing of political dissidents in this country and their torture in jail. And, you know, what's really concerning is that in these cases, the government has raided people's houses. And one of the things that they routinely take away from people and then use it in their papers as indicia of radicalization are pocket constitutions. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What is that? Well, it tells us where we are, uh, and it is a sad moment in our history. Uh, and if we are to emerge from this, uh, as we have with previous challenges of this magnitude stronger, uh, we're going to have to be much stronger ourselves and very quickly. I, I want to turn to one other aspect of this, and that's the Bureau of Prisons. Uh, the director 
uh, of the Bureau of uh, Prisons, Federal Bureau of Prisons, uh, just announcing his resignation. You have been at the forefront uh, along with uh, uh, congressional leaders, including uh, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene, Green, uh, in, in calling out the treatment of those uh, prisoners, uh, some of whom have been held for a very long time. Uh, and finally, he's resigning. How, how big a change is that supposed to represent, or is it simply a, a ruse uh, to take uh, pressure off of the uh, Bureau of Prisons for the treatment of these political prisoners? It's a good question. You know, I'll, I'll use the example of Christopher Quaglin. Um, he was visited uh, by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Congressman Louis Gohmert, him and a bunch of other guys who were in the January 6th pod, they call it the Patriot pod in, in, in DC jail, what we have labeled as DC Guantanamo Bay. He was visited there um, on November 4th and uh, he had been, he's got celiac disease. So uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congressman Gohmert were like, hey, you know, what's going on with you? We heard you got celiac disease. And he said, yes, I've suffered. They don't get the food right here. They don't care about me, so on and so forth. Celiac uh, is uh, an autoimmune disease that affects the, the intestinal tract, correct? Yes, it, uh, it infects the intestinal tract. And, and in his case, it's pretty severe. He can't have gluten, wheat, so on and so forth. So if food is cross-contaminated, he gets very, very, his, his pain is so bad that he'd rather not eat because eating causes him that much pain. So if he's got to uh, choose starvation versus pain, he chooses starvation. That's, that's telling. So um, they, they filed a report uh, condemning the, uh, the CTF wing where January 6ers were being held. They filed that report on December 7th. Christopher was retaliated against. He's been moved around the prison system six times. He recently arrived on, at Northern Neck facility in, in, in Virginia, um, I'm sorry about the background noise. That's a consequence of being in, the, in New York City. Um, New York City. All right. Yes, sir. Um, so he uh, arrived on the 21st of, of, of December, and uh, within 10 days, he lost 20 pounds. Oh, my God. We, we said to them, like, what, what is going on? You can't do this. And, and then in an act of retaliation, they put him in a pod full of COVID positive people. And then they told him, well, now you got COVID in addition, in addition to your weight loss. And they threw him in solitary confinement. So um, I, I, members of Congress had already been aware of his situation. Uh, Congresswoman Green uh, uh, stepped in. Uh, some others, Clay Higgins uh, from Louisiana, stepped stepped in. They, uh, in addition to to all the stuff that I've been doing, they they wrote a very pointed letter to the director of the Bureau of Prisons, Director Carver Hall, and they said, "Look, we know what's going on. Uh, we know about this situation and other situations like this. If he dies in your care, and they literally say this, the sun will not set on his grave before we uh, pursue criminal charges against you." Forty-eight Joe, hours I, later, I, he was I'm sure. I was just going to say 48 hours later or 72 hours later, the guy resigns. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to quote the letter uh, from the congressman, uh, uh, Clay Higgins, Jeff Duncan, Andy Biggs, the head of the uh, Freedom Caucus, uh, Andrew Clyde, Jody Heiss, uh, uh, as we said, uh, Marjorie uh, Taylor Green, uh, and uh, with them, Mary Miller, Ralph Norman, Lauren Bulbert, Paul Gosar, Byron Donalds, Andy Harris, Randy Weber, Scott Perry, in my opinion, patriots all and examples for what congressmen should be doing uh, for uh, the American people. 
but there is one line that uh, Joe just referenced, I wanted, uh, which is very powerful. We expect action from your office to provide immediate medical care for the uh, referenced American citizen. If he dies from the poisoning you are allowing, you will face criminal referral before the sun sets on his grave. God, I love this letter, and I love these congressmen. Uh, they are standing up for the values that matter most to this country, our Constitution and the American way of life, uh, as are you, Joe. And I, I want to give you, if I may, uh, an opportunity. We always give our guests the last word. Uh, your thoughts uh, on where we are and where we go from here. America is, is, is at a crossroads. You know, we, we have uh, houses are divided, father against son, mother against daughter, brother against brother. You, you find that the Constitution was written during times like these, four times like these. You find that scriptures were also written during times like these, four times like these. A house divided has no chance of long-term survival, never mind sustaining an attack from the outside or the inside. Americans need to unite. They need to figure out a way to get back to common ground. Um, Pope John Paul II often said that common ground was holy ground. I believe that. I hope that as a society, we can find a way to forgive each other and find a way to get back there so we can truly make America great again, because this is the greatest country that the world has ever known. With regard to anyone, if they're looking to, uh, to follow my work or what I'm doing, you can find me at McBride Law NYC. That is my tag across Twitter and Getter and all, all social media platforms. And if anybody is uh, finds it in their heart where they want to give to the work that we're doing or to the families who don't have their breadwinners at home who are suffering, they can go to Patriot Freedom Project and they can find multiple ways to give there. It's a 501c3 tax deductible, and that money always gets good put to good use. They, they pay for bills and Christmas gifts and, and plumbing costs and medical needs, and they even fund some legal funds over there as well. It's a great organization of people. It's ran by Cynthia Hughes. She's an awesome and great patriot. Uh, I am thankful for your time, Lou. I am thankful for all your work. God bless you and the team around you, and God bless America. Amen, Joe, and God bless you uh, and all, uh, all on uh, this anniversary of a, a protest and a demonstration in the nation's capital that went uh, terribly wrong before several hundred people, hundreds of Americans, uh, but uh, which has gone even further wrong uh, for this government of ours. And shame, shame, shame on this White House for permitting this conduct on the part of federal agencies, law enforcement agencies against patriots and protesters exercising their rights and the, and the shameless way in which they have been treated. Uh, Joe McBride, amongst those at the forefront of trying to do the right thing for these people a year, a year on, from those demonstrations and for what for some small portion of those demonstrators turned out to be a, a riot that moved to the Capitol. These are tough times made tougher by partisan politics and the politics of personal destruction practiced by the radical Democratic Party. And I would just say, you know, God bless America. 
let us find the way to win for the Constitution and for the nation. Thank you for being with us on January 6th. This is the Great America Show. Blue Dobbs, see you tomorrow.